Grace and peace to you, and welcome to a sermon podcast from Richfield United Methodist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Sign up for weekly digital content at richfieldumc.org. Subscribe, share, and get out there with Jesus to heal a broken world. Thanks for listening, and we hope you have a good experience. This podcast is the sermon on November 24th, 2019. Invest in the Miracle is part five of the five-part worship series, Invest in the Story. The preacher is Reverend Nate Melcher, and the scripture is Acts of the Apostles, chapter 9, verses 32 through 42. Hear these words from Acts 9. Now as Simon Peter went here and there among all the believers, he came down also to the saints living in Lydda. There he found a man named Aeneas, who had been bedridden for eight years, for he was paralyzed. Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and make your bed. And immediately he got up, and all the residents of Lydda and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. Now in Joppa there was a disciple whose name was Tabitha, which in Greek is Dorcas. She was devoted to good works and acts of charity. At that time she became ill and died. When they had washed her, they laid her in her room upstairs. Since Lydda was near Joppa, the disciples, who heard that Peter was there, sent two men with him with the request, Please come to us without delay. So Peter got up and went with them, and when he arrived, he took them to the, they took him to the room upstairs. All the widows stood beside him, weeping and showing tunics and other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was with them. Peter put out all of them aside, and he knelt down and prayed. He turned to the body and said, Tabitha, get up. Then she opened her eyes, and seeing Peter, she sat up. He gave her his hand and helped her up, then called the saints and widows. He showed her to be alive. This became known throughout Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. We end our annual commitment campaign with new members, with renewing our membership vows, and with talking about miracles. Do you believe in miracles? Good. I have a few examples for you. So here's a miracle. This is the all-new clear see-through slice of pumpkin pie. They've developed this through food science recently. Yes, this is real. How about this one? This week in a parking lot, I saw a car that has both a Star Trek and Star Wars bumper sticker. That's a miracle, friends. (laughs) How about this? Getting my kids to agree to be in a photo holding up a sign that says, Nate Melcher is the best dad and we aren't being forced to hold up the sign. A miracle! (laughs) How about this? No political arguments at Thanksgiving dinner. A miracle! How about this? Toilets! A miracle, yes? This is a special toilet here. This is from last November 2018 at the, get this, it exists, Reinvented Toilet Expo. It was sponsored by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation and other uh, collaborative partners and nations who got together to give teams money to make a challenge happen to design a better toilet. The, The challenge was this. It has to cost five cents or less to run it per day. It has to use little to no water. No odor is a bonus. And if what goes in it becomes fertilizer, even better. A gross miracle? Yes. But it's a multi-million dollar miracle to change the world. And we need it desperately, friends. The World Health Organization estimates that 2.3 billion people around our world are still without basic sanitation, like toilets and latrines. And the Gates Foundation estimates that globally, 
we probably lose about $223 billion per year because of increased health care costs and a loss of productivity and wages because people don't have access to basic sanitation. They got to invest in the miracle. Now, until they bring this new life to the toilet situation, I think we're still going to need to keep paying for the toilet paper around here, friends. That's just how it goes. But the global sanitation system, it's not going to change without investing in the long game. And when it does change, it will be a miracle of new life. People will literally have a new chance at a new life. And it will be because people who believe anything is possible invest money, care, systemic ideation, and innovative vision to make a miracle happen. Do you believe in miracles? Have you ever seen one before? Did you help make one happen? Do you talk about it with other people, or do you keep it to yourself because you're not sure how to express it? Perhaps a miracle is a conflux moment where, where your life journey meets God's heart, a concept we've talked about a few times in the last few weeks. It's where something amazing occurs, and uh, not only do you feel God at work, you're open to God in your life. And if we're not used to naming God moments, we can miss them. I think Jesus is ready to give us a God moment all the time. Are we open to it? In today's scripture, Simon Peter knows anything is possible with Jesus. He's called to do two healings in the name of Jesus. Aeneas and Tabitha, also known as Dorcas. Yes, that name exists beyond seven brides for seven brothers. There is Dorcas. Now, for both of these healings, it's beyond just healing. It me it's a means of bearing witness to the presence and power of Jesus. People need healing. The church sends Simon Peter, who partners with Jesus to make miracles happen. Is that how it can be today? People need healing. The church sends us. We partner with Jesus and make miracles happen. That's not as far-fetched as it might seem, my friends. This miracle story, for some of us, might be hard because we, we might want this literal moment of, of one whom is literally dead, seemingly made literally alive again. And some of us might go, well, what historically happened that day? I don't know. Why doesn't it happen like that these days? I don't know that either. Maybe it's about bringing new and renewed life into the world. When there's new life in these stories, there's celebration. And isn't that the way it is with new life around us today? Where are you seeing new life? Where are you seeing miracles? Friends, there are miracles in your church. There are miracles right here in this church, and their new life is happening at every turn. Have you seen the bags upon bags of school supplies and food that we've been donating to Veep together as a church? How about that steady home in this warm building for God's Hands thrift store so that we can help our neighborhood get the needs that they have met? How about a place for our social justice speakers so that people can hear from experts in the field about crucial issues of our time? We've got so many great Bible studies. I'll tell you a quick one about the new Wednesday night Bible study. We've got members in there, 
but we've also got young adults who are from outside the church who are seeking connection. And recently we had somebody who's experiencing homelessness and giving their perspective. All of these people together studying the word of God is a miracle. I think about families moving forward and finally getting to experience that with you, giving families the dignity of a safe and loving place to live on uh, for even just a brief week, rallying together to use this beloved campus for the beloved purposes of God. That is a miracle. The carnival was a miracle. That was so fun, right? That carnival was a lot of fun. We had at least 400 people there, 409,000, I don't know, is a big number. And we saw miracles all over the place. But I heard a story about one in particular. One of our paid staff was was running one of the games there. I don't think by copyright law I can say the name of the game. Let's just say it rhymes with Blinko, and you would play it on the Bryce's Bright. But in this game, after you win, you can pick from this bucket of prizes. And we had some some trinket-style prizes, and we had some pencils and school supplies over here. And some kids took some of the trinkets, But this staff person realized over and over, kids kept taking the pencils. Kids kept taking the pencils. In fact, the same kids kept coming to play the same game over and over to get more pencils. This is the week before school. Now, these days, the way that you get school supplies is you all get a list, and you go off, and you do your best to buy some in bulk, and then you bring it to the classroom, and that way the teacher's got this whole stock ready to go, so no one has to go without or with less. So you can always go get a new pencil. You can always get some glue. We all rely on each other together. And yet, there's something really special about being able to show up to school with your own pencils. It gives you dignity. And it's also a social status symbol. When you show up with your new pencil, you feel cool. We helped kids feel cool. And that's no small thing. Kids feeling cool is a miracle. Think back to when you were a kid. How desperate were you to feel cool? And what happened to the kids who didn't look cool? When we help a kid feel cool, we help boost their self-esteem. When we boost their self-esteem, they want to share esteem with the rest of their class. And when they share esteem with the rest of their class, that infects the rest of the school. We are changing our neighborhood, and sometimes it's as little as some pencils that you paid for with your committed gifts to our operating budget. That was a complex moment. A moment of convergence where our church and these kids and God's heart all met and made a miracle together. These are the kinds of miracles that we ask you to remember as you make your annual giving commitment to your church. This church partners with God to invest in the story of miracles every day through partnership, solidarity, respect, dignity, helping kids feel cool. Today I want to show you a true miracle, friends, and it's the life of this church. I love being your pastor. I talk about you all the time. I can't stop. My colleagues are almost tired of hearing stories about you, but I love love being your pastor. I've been going to life camp with some of you for 25 years, some of your adult-aged children, and I'm still taking some of your teenagers there now. 
Uh, I've been, I was here for, as far as I know, Tyler Christensen's first ever sermon in this room way back when. For those of you who remember Tyler and Carrie growing up here. I've been to funerals here before I became your pastor. I've been to neighborhood events here before I became your pastor. In the Heritage Room, that's where I was approved for my next step on my ordination process with the District Committee on Ministry. My children were held close as babies right below us and caring for children and worked their way up all the different rooms for the last five or six years together. Before we got here as a family, we always said, Hennepin Avenue, UMC, where I was appointed. That's the church where we serve and where we worship. But for years living in this neighborhood, we've said Richfield UMC is our neighborhood church. I've loved this church a long time. And it's my honor and it's my privilege to be your pastor and invest in the story with you, including through our financial contribution as a family. Let me show you off to yourself. Here's a video about the life of our church. Podcast listeners, you can go to YouTube or Facebook and search for Richfield United Methodist Church to watch this video. Thank you. (laughs) The past few weeks, you've seen a snapshot of who we are and the world around us. You've heard stories and voices from our church, and you've prayed over your commitment to what we're doing. We've witnessed six young people confirm their baptismal vows, Then we remembered our own baptism, and we received a prayer to pray every day as we enter the waters to bathe and to live as God's child every day. We remembered our saints, our dear ones, embracing the eternal life of the risen Christ, and we spoke of the legacy we were born into, the legacy we live now, and the legacy we build for tomorrow. We explored the spiritual lives of young people, and they're searching for something bigger than themselves. We remembered what other generations built for us at a crucial point in our lives. We took an assessment to gain insight into the character of our church and to be assured that our role as a spiritual shepherd, a systems task organizer, and a vision crier are all integral to what we're doing as a church. Today we have new members, we renewed our membership vows, and we've spoke of miracles. That's a lot of places to go in five weeks. Where are we going next? God is moving us forward to be a church centered on our mission to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world and to create new life in all that we do. From here, we go to a place where our mission is so ingrained in our DNA that it's second nature. And we embrace it, we live it, we share it. That takes commitment. It takes saying, what we do as a church matters to me, and I want to be a part of it. I want to be like the people of Acts, because these people, these are anything-is-possible people. And they put their faith in that because they put God at the center of their story. They want to be part of something bigger than themselves, to have not my will be done, but thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. People of Acts are committed people. They're expectations people. They're anything is possible people. Friends, are you, are we anything is possible people? That's a great time to get out of that Minnesotan vibe and get active in the sermon. Friends, are we anything is possible people? God needs this church for Gen 8 and beyond. What's Gen 8? I'll tell you in a minute. But first, 
God needs today's church to be like the early church of Acts, to look left and to look right and to look right now. Friends, look right now. Look at the people around you. Go ahead, look at them. They're right there. Look at these people that God has put in our lives. We see them as beloved. We have faith that these are the resources, these are the people on the team that God needs right now for new life. And if God needs us to commit ourselves and our resources to do our small part to change this big world, then let's give God what God needs. What comes next may not look exactly the way it is or has been. Miracles seldom make things go back to exactly the way they were. I hear people say things like change is hard or change is inevitable. I don't say those things because they're often used as tools of negative attitudes or resignation. I don't say change is hard and I don't say change is inevitable. I say change is possible, friends. Change is possible. And it has to be, because we can't have the status quo. The status quo is status froze. The status quo can be status closed. The status quo is status no. But the future, the future is noteworthy. The future is hopeworthy. The future is where all are worthy, all are welcome, all are beloved here. And we've got the guts not to just say it, but to believe it and to pray on it and to train on it and invest in it and fund it and share it and act on it. That's a complex moment of our church's heart meeting God's heart and something big happens. And we do the hard work even if we've already done the hard work because God doesn't quit. Jesus doesn't quit. The Holy Spirit doesn't quit. And friends, do we quit? No, we do not quit. Are we anything as possible people? We've got this beautiful wood relief in the Heritage Room. I'm sure many of you have seen it. If you haven't, you can go see it during the Families Moving Forward processing meeting today after worship. But it has this brief and beautiful snapshot of many of the significant parts of the life of this church. Most sociologists will tell you that typically they consider a generation to be every 25 years. Harmony Mission Church started in 1854 with our first generation, Gen 1. Friends, in 2004, we started our generation, Gen 7. Our time is actually beyond this relief. This was put up in 2004 at our 150th anniversary. We're 15 years in. Our time is in the space beyond it. We are literally off the charts. It's 10 years until 2029. It's 10 years until Gen 8. What will Gen 8 say of us? What will Gen 8 say of what we did with God in our time and our place? The two questions of the Pentecost story are, what does this, uh, what does this mean and what should we do? And the response is, this is the Holy Spirit and we will serve the Spirit with our whole heart and it will meet God's heart, and nothing less will get us to where we need to go. I am proud to be the pastor of Gen 7 of Richfield United Methodist Church. May God be with us. Let us invest in the story. May we be anything as possible people who believe in miracles and help God make miracles happen. Friends, may it be so, and amen. 
This has been a sermon podcast from Richfield United Methodist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Copyright 2019. Now, go into God's world, knowing you are a beloved child, and bear witness to the love of God, so that those to whom love is a stranger will find in you a generous friend. Thanks for listening.